Good evening to our Heritage family, and uh, thanks for taking the time to join us on this good Friday evening. Uh, welcome to our first Good Friday online service. And what a unique time to remember one of the most unique events in history, the crucifixion of our Lord Jesus Christ. We've come together this evening to remember the work of Jesus for us on the cross. Uh, we want to follow the events from Jesus' final Passover all the way up until his burial. As described for us in the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And throughout the service, we hope to encourage you to think about why Jesus did what he did. We should remember that the disciples did not understand what was happening as they were living through these events. Uh, so as we walk with the twelve through these difficult times and sometimes confusing times, uh, these last days of Jesus' life, we want you to put yourself in their place. Walk in their shoes, or I guess we should say sandals, and seek to grasp the reality of all that they were experiencing and how we can learn more about what Jesus did for each of us. Although the events were different for the disciples, I believe that we can identify with them as they experienced similar feelings, uncertainty, confusion, anxiety, fear, hopelessness, some of the same emotions that each of us may be experiencing tonight. During our time together this evening, um, these words will appear on the screen. He did this just for me. And each time you see those words on the screen, we'd like all of you together, wherever you're gathered there in your home, all of you just to, in unison, say them out loud. And uh, we want to make our evening together a little bit interactive, so this will give you that opportunity to stay connected with us. So how about if we try it together? Ready? He did this just for me. And so as we begin our evening together, we'd like you to put your Bibles away, get comfortable, relax. Now, not too comfortable. We don't want you to fall asleep. And join us and listen to the story as told by Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now the Feast of Unleavened Bread drew near, which is called the Passover. And the chief priests and the scribes were seeking how to put him to death, for they feared <clears throat> the people. Then Satan entered into Judas, called Iscariot, who was of the number of the twelve. He went away and conferred with the chief priests and officers how he might betray him to them. And they were glad and agreed to give him money. So he consented and sought an opportunity to betray to them in the absence of the crowd. Then came the day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. So Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go prepare the Passover for us, that we may eat it. 
And they said to him, Where will you have us prepare it? He said to them, Behold, when you have entered the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him into the house that he enters, and tell the master of the house, The teacher says to you, Where is the guest room that I might eat my Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room furnished. Prepare it there. And they went and found it just as he had told them, and they prepared the Passover. And when the hour came, he reclined at the table, and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. But behold, the hand of him who betrays me is with me on the table. For the Son of Man goes as it has been determined, but woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. And they began to question one another, which of them it could be who was going to do this. He did this just for me. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, So could you not watch with me for one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, for the second time, he went away and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying, My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Sleep and take your rest later on. See, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. While he was still speaking, there came a crowd and the man called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He drew near to Jesus to kiss him, but Jesus said to him, Judas, would you betray the Son of Man with a kiss? And when those who were around him saw 
that would follow, they said, Lord, shall we strike with the sword? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. But Jesus said, no more of this. And he touched his ear and healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priests and the officers of the temple and the elders who had come out against him, have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs? When I was with you day after day in the temple, you did not lay hands on me, but this is your hour and the power of darkness. He did this just for me. So the band of soldiers and their captain and the officers of the Jews arrested Jesus and bound him. First they led him to Annas, for he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was high priest that year. It was Caiaphas who had advised the Jews that it would be expedient that one man should die for the people. The high priest then questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. Jesus answered him, I have spoken openly to the world. I have always taught in synagogues and in the temple where all Jews come together. I've said nothing in secret. Why do you ask me? Ask those who have heard me what I said to them. They know what I said. When he had said these things, one of the officers standing by struck Jesus with his hand, saying, Is that how you answer the high priest? Jesus answered him, If what I said is wrong, bear witness about the wrong. But if what I said is right, why do you strike me? Annas then sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Then those who had seized Jesus led him to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders had gathered. And Peter was following him at a distance, as far as the courtyard of the high priest. And going inside, he sat with the guards to see the end. Now the chief priests and the whole council were seeking false testimony against Jesus that they might put him to death, but they found none, though many false witnesses came forward. At last, two came forward and said, This man said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to rebuild it in three days. And the high priest stood up and said, Have you no answer to make? What is it that these men testify against you? But Jesus remained silent. And the high priest said to him, I adjure you by the living God. Tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus said to him, you have said so, but I tell you from now on, you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his robes and said, he has uttered blasphemy. What further witnesses do we need? You have now heard his blasphemy. What is your judgment? They answered, he deserves death. Then they spit in his face and struck him. And some slapped him, saying, Prophesy to us, you Christ. Who is it that struck you? He did this just for me. Then they led Jesus from the house of Caiaphas to the governor's headquarters. It was early in the morning. 
they themselves did not enter the governor's headquarters so that they would not be defiled, but could eat the Passover. So Pilate went out to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? They answered him, If this is the man we're not doing evil, we would not have delivered him over to you. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. The Jews said to him, It is not lawful for us to put anyone to death. And this was to fulfill the word that Jesus had spoken to show by what kind of death he was going to die. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord, or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting, that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. Then Pilate said to him, So, you are a king. Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? After he had said this, he went back outside to the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in him. And the chief priests accused him of many things. And Pilate again asked him, Have you no answer to make? See how many charges they bring against you? But Jesus made no further answer, so that Pilate was amazed. He did this just for me. But they were urgent, saying, He stirs up the people, teaching throughout all Judea, from Galilee even to this place. When Pilate heard this, he asked whether this man was a Galilean. And when he had learned that he belonged to Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him over to Herod, who was himself in Jerusalem at the time. When Herod saw Jesus, he was very glad, for he had long desired to see him because he had heard about him and was hoping to see some sign done by him. So he questioned him at some length, but he made no answer. The chief priests and the scribes stood by strongly accusing him. And Herod, with his soldiers, treated him with contempt and mocked him. Then, dressing him in splendid clothing, he sent him back to Pilate. And Herod and Pilate became friends with each other that very day. But before this, they had been at enmity with each other. Pilate then called together the chief priests and the rulers of the people and said to them, You brought me this man as one who was misleading the people. And after examining him before you, behold, I did not find this man guilty of any of your charges against him. Neither did Herod, for he sent him back to us. Look, nothing deserving death has been done by him. I will therefore punish and release him. But they all cried out together, Away with this man, and release to us Barabbas, a man who had been thrown into prison for an insurrection started 
in the city and for murder. Pilate addressed them once more, desiring to release Jesus, but they kept shouting, Crucify! Crucify him! The third time he said to them, Why? What evil has he done? I have found in him no guilt deserving death. I will therefore punish and release him. But they were urgent, demanding with loud cries that he should be crucified, and their voices prevailed. So Pilate decided that their demand should be granted. He released the man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder for whom they asked. But he delivered Jesus over to their will. He did this just for me. And the soldiers led him away inside the palace, that is, the governor's headquarters. And they called together the whole battalion. And they clothed him in a purple cloak, and twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on him. And they began to salute him, Hail, King of the Jews! And they were striking his head with a reed, and spitting on him, and kneeling down in homage to him. And he went out, bearing his own cross, to the place called place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him, and with him two others, one on either side, and Jesus between them. Pilate also wrote an inscription and put it on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this inscription, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city. And it was written in Aramaic, in Latin, and in Greek. So the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write the king of the Jews, but rather this man said, I am king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his garments and divided them into four parts, <coughs> one part for each soldier, also his tunic. But the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. So they said to one another, Let us not tear it, but cast lots for it to see whose it shall be. This was to fulfill the scripture which says, They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. So the soldiers did these things. He, he did, did this, this just for me. me. And those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, you who could destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you are the son of God, come down from that cross. So also the chief priests with the scribe and elders mocked him saying, he saved others. He cannot save himself. He is the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God deliver him now if he desires him. For he said, I am the son of God. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him saying, Do you not fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly 
for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. And when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Elohi, Elohi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, behold, he's calling Elijah. And some ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink, saying, wait, let's see whether Elijah will come and take him down. And Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who was st stood facing him saw the way he breathed his last breath, he said, truly, this man was the son of God. He did this just for me. Since it was the day of preparation, and so that the bodies would not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for that Sabbath was a high day, the Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who had been crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs but one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear and at once there came out blood and water he who saw it has borne witness his testimony is true and he knows that he is telling the truth that you also may believe for these things took place that the scripture might be fulfilled not one of his bones will be broken and again, another scripture says, they will look on him whom they have pierced. He did this just for me. Joseph of Arimathea, a respected member of the council, who was also himself looking for the kingdom of God, took courage and went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Pilate was surprised to hear that he should have already died. And summoning the centurion, he asked him whether he was already dead. And when he learned from the centurion that he was dead, he granted the corpse to Joseph. And Joseph bought a linen shroud and taking him down, wrapped him in the linen shroud and laid him in a tomb that had been cut out of the rock. And he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. He, he did, did this just for me. me. As we bring our time together to a close this evening, we want to solidify in our hearts and minds the meaning of, of what we've just read together. And we want to remember that Jesus died in our place for our sins. He did this just for me. In fact, we want to share together in communion, the Lord's Supper.
When the Apostle Paul was leading the church at Corinth in the time of communion so that they would not forget what Jesus had done on the cross, he, he said this to them, Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. That is why many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. Communion is only for those who know God by faith in Jesus Christ and his finished work on the cross. And God took seriously uh, the fact that only those who know Jesus should partake in the Lord's Supper. I'm going to give you an opportunity just for a couple of minutes right there in your home to examine your hearts and to to talk to God and to see what it is that God would have you to deal with at this point before we continue in sharing together in the Lord's Supper. Father, thank you for Jesus Christ and for all that he's done for us. Thank you for your unconditional love for us in sending your son to die in our place for our sins. Father, thank you that we can remember tonight the death of Jesus on the cross and that he did this just for me, just for these that are listening tonight, for all who would believe. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Luke tells us in his gospel that when the hour came, Jesus and his disciples reclined at the table, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples. Just before we take the bread, I'd like to ask Scott if he'd return thanks for the bread that represents the body of Jesus Christ that he gave for us. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the fact that he lived a perfect and sinless life. At first that he came and was born and put on flesh and dwelt among people. He grew up 
lived that sinless life and, and had the body and was that perfect Passover lamb. Thank you, Lord, that he gave that up to be beaten, to be spit upon, to be dragged through the streets, and ultimately to lay it down so that we can have forgiveness of sin. Lord, thank you for your willingness to obey our Father. Thank you for the perfect life, the perfect substitute that was given for us. We thank you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. We're told that after Jesus gave the bread to the disciples, he said, take and eat. This is my body. We're also told in Scripture that after supper that Jesus took the cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them. And, and it is the cup that represents the blood of Jesus Christ that he shed for us so that our sin could be forgiven. And just before we partake, before you grab the cup there at home, uh, I'd like to ask Paul if he'd give thanks for the cup, the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed for us. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, thank you so much for your son. Thank you for his perfect life. <clears throat> thank you for his shed blood for the remission of our sins, Lord. We know that life is in the blood, but because of our own sin, we are so separated from you. And it's the blood of Jesus Christ that has the power to reconcile us and redeem us. Lord, thank you for that power. And we praise you tonight for the blood of Christ and for giving us your son so that we could have eternal life. And we pray these things in his name. Amen. And there in the upper room, after Jesus had given the cup to his disciples, he said, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Amen. Wow. Paul tells us also that as he was speaking to the church in Corinth that after they had taken of the bread and, and the cup, he said to them, whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Jesus is coming again. He's coming back for those of us who know Jesus and who are, he's going to take us back to heaven with him. You know, this scene will be repeated, this empty auditorium that we're sitting in. Now, I, we won't be here either, but it will be empty because those of us who know Jesus Christ, his church will be taken to heaven with him. But until that day happens, 
we are to continue to remember the death of Jesus Christ on the cross to provide forgiveness for our sin. We mentioned last Sunday that we wanted to continue on in our Who's Your One initiative. Uh, back the, the last Sunday before we weren't able to meet anymore, we up on the cross put 73 names. Uh, those of you who are part of our heritage family came and brought names on a little card and put them up on the cross as an indication that you would be praying for their salvation, that you would be investing in their lives, and that ultimately you would hope to be able to invite them into a conversation about Jesus Christ and, and maybe one day invite them to receive Jesus Christ as Savior. And we said last week that if you had not had an opportunity to do that or if God had put one on your heart that you wanted, to also begin to pray for and, inv and invest in and then invite them to know Christ, uh, to send that in. And, and we got about 14 or 15 more names here this week. And so we have them all written out on cards. And uh, Paul and Scott and I are going to put them up on the cross just before we wrap up our time together this evening. Well, amen. There it is. That brings us up to, uh, to about 87, 88 names that we're praying for, that we're going to trust that God would use each of us to share the gospel, to show the love of God, and to talk with him about the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And uh, we're excited about what we believe is going to happen in the days ahead as we continue to pray for and invest in and invite people to come to Christ. And I just want to close our time together this evening with 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 18 because I think it ties together the work of Christ on the cross for us. He did go to the cross just for you and just for me. And this is what God's word says about the cross. Paul says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those 
who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. The gospel, the power of God unto salvation for all who believe. And it all started with the cross of Jesus Christ. Let me pray. Father, thank you so much for Jesus Christ. Thank you for the cross. Thank you that Jesus willingly went to the cross, voluntarily gave up his life, shed his blood so that our sin could be forgiven, could be removed as far as the east is from the west. God, I pray tonight that those of us who know God by faith in Jesus Christ, that we would never forget what Jesus did for us. And Father, for those who may be watching tonight who don't know you, I ask God that you might stir their hearts that even as they heard the truth of what Jesus did for us on the cross, read tonight from his word, that they might be moved and convicted of their sin and trust Christ as Savior. And Father, I pray for these names that we've put up on the cross, that individuals who know them, who care about their eternal destiny, are praying for them and going to be investing and pouring into their lives, hopefully being able to invite them into a conversation about you, God, and ultimately to invite them to receive Jesus Christ, all because of the power of the cross of Jesus Christ. And God, we pray that in the days ahead, you would use the message of the cross, the power of the gospel, to bring people to Christ. And Lord, we look forward to, we anticipate Sunday morning as we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Oh God, that that would be a great day together, rejoicing the fact that Jesus is alive. For it's in his name I pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us tonight. And I would invite you to join us again Sunday morning, 10 a.m., live right here, Heritage Online. Have a great evening. And we'll look forward to seeing you Easter Sunday morning.